three, two, two, one, one. Dan. Cody. They brought us back, man. We're back in the dunny. Back in the dunny. Who who is they? Well, you know, seeing that we produce, finance, edit all of our own content, I guess they is really us. So we brought us back. We brought us back for another episode of Hashtag Beyond Flag. We back. We back. <laughs> it's good to be back in the dunny. Thanks for bringing me back to the dunny, Cody. I'm surprised that we brought ourselves back here. <laughs> so... I just want to send a big thank you to everyone for checking out our very first episode. Yeah. Dan and I were pretty blown away by how many listens we saw on yeah. uh, SoundCloud. I think yeah. we were anticipating definitely our mothers. Yeah. So two. So two. All the times that we had to start it for editing for, for practices or getting it loaded up to different platforms. So that would have been like 10 to 15. So 10. at most, I thought maybe 17 total yeah. listens. Dan and I were benchmarking 17. So we're pretty blown away that there was, was it, a little shy of 400. Yeah, at, yeah, yeah. At this point. So big thank you to everyone. Uh, what kind of feedback did you get? Oh, a range of feedback. I, I did get, um, I want to be humble. But I got a comment on how smooth my radio voice is. Yeah, that was actually pretty unanimous. <laughs> Several feedbacks saying Dan has got a voice for radio. Radio. And also a face for radio. <laughs> yeah, both of those things. <laughs> Check out beyondflag.com yep. on the about page. And you'll see that, in fact, Dan has a face for radio. Exactly. Might go to the kind of thing. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. Good yeah. thing he's on the radio. Yeah. Yeah. I think I could probably say the same thing for my photo as well. Yeah. Probably not our best showing, huh? Well, I don't, I, I, it might be for me. <laughs> I, that's kind of what that's kind of what you get with old Dan. Now that you say that, I think you might be right. Yeah. yeah. Old Danny P. So what about you? What kind of feedback did you get? Same thing, that you got a voice for radio. <laughs> It also sounds like, <laughs> also sounds like uh, a lot of people dug the Enneagram. Uh, yeah, I heard that too a lot. I actually heard of people talking about um, how good it was to hear people just reference it in a, a loose format. And people, to me, commented on their own curiosity about where they would fall in that personality paradigm. Yeah, for sure. And it seemed like the coffee break was a fun way to sort of introduce yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> And then the other sure. thing, uh, the other feedback I got was that it seemed like that initial podcast really uh, created some momentum, and people were really defending Lake Mary's merits. Huh? <laughs> you got <laughs> feedback like that? Power in numbers, Dan. Well, hundreds. Could you give me examples? What kind of feedback did you get that suggested this? Who's this guy from Utah saying that Lake Mary is not a lake? Was that feedback from yourself? <laughs> Yeah, I wrote myself a message on Instagram. <laughs> we were using all kinds of emojis, phonetic spelling. A lot of exclamation points. A lot of exclamation points. Maybe some curses here and there. But yeah, it sounds like Lake Mary, you know. We really created a thing there. Well, yeah, I, I don't know. You're kind of presenting it like there's this massive consensus for what a yeah. amazing world-renowned, internationally renowned lake Lake Mary is. Yeah. I don't know that I heard that. Yeah. Oh, I got overwhelming feedback in that really? direction. Yeah, the hmm. data suggests Lake Mary prestige. How about this? Yeah. Let's, for anyone listening out there, why don't you hit us up on social media and, and booyah or boohoo Lake Mary. Yeah. 
If you're out at Lake Mary, what we'd like you to do is post a photo, hashtag beyond flag, hashtag most likely booyah. Or boohoo. For Dan. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we'll see. We'll see what the people say. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. So do that for us. But uh, yeah, I mean, here we are, huh? Back in the dun. Back in the dunny. Yeah. So who are we going beyond flag with today? Well, for this show, we're going beyond flag with Hannah Rose Gray a local photographer who specializes in lifestyle photography. Her business and craft has taken her all over the world. This includes places like Singapore, London, Mexico, and, let me finish, Locket Meadow. Ooh, all the way out to Locket Meadow. Beautiful Locket Meadow. It is beautiful out there. She's a small-town Ohio girl who chased the sun to Arizona, a bit ironic given her penchant for being near the ocean. And like many people who want to live near the ocean but can't afford it, Dan, you know this. They end up near Lake Mary. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> it's like they always say, Daniel. Give me the Pacific or give me death. If I can't have either, just give me Lake Mary. Who is they? Who, <laughs> you know, who says that? I think that's Steinbeck or uh, who's Shakespeare's cousin? Maybe yeah. Russian. Yeah. Tolstoy? <laughs> Tolstoy. Dostoevsky? You know. <laughs> You know, you know, both Steinbeck and Tolstoy loved writing about the Southwest. Yes, <laughs> particularly Lake Mary. <laughs> Some fun facts about Hannah. Well, she's an ENFP on the Myers-Briggs. She reads at least three books per month, which translates into uh, how many books per year? So three, three times three times that by 12, Carry the one. Twelve months in a year. Twelve months in a year. Subtract the ten. Subtract ten is forty. I'm going to roll with 36. 36 books a year. She also has millions of hobbies. Also, I don't think I've any ever heard anyone refer to her as simply Hannah. It's always her full name, Hannah Rose Gray. <laughs> well, for me personally, I'm really looking forward to sitting with HRG today. She's chock full of energy and enthusiasm, which might give you a little insight into her Enneagram number. And I have a strong feeling the entire head triad will be present in this interview. Which might make for a lot of intellectual fodder. My favorite. It's where Dan lives. So, Danny, Utah, what are you looking forward to over there? Uh, I got two big questions that come to mind with old HRG. So, first, I wonder if she's cousins with RBG. Well, Ruth Bader Ginsburg? Yeah, RBG. RBG? I mean, if I had to take it to Vegas and bet, I'd say probably not. But HRG. HRG, oh, both G's. RBG. Both G's. I see what you're saying. <laughs> Let's just throw out the like 50 year age gap. <laughs> Most uh, likely for his cousins. Yeah. Yeah. Possibly. We'll see. <laughs> Who knows? So Dan's looking forward to seeing if HRG's related to Ruth Bader Ginsburg. <laughs> What's Sag- the other thing you got on the, do- on the docket there? Second thing that I'm really curious about is, um, well, I. I I know that she spends time with you and your wife um, hanging out as friends. And so um, I've heard a little bit about um, her professional identity and what she does. I'm really curious hearing about the wide variety of things that she's done. And to me, it can sound as an outsider like she's taken a unique approach to being a business professional and really kind of adapted some of that. She has a lot of variety, it seems like. 
So I'm looking forward to hearing more about that variety and how she built that into her life. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, she travels all over the world, so I think it'll be fun to hear about that. Maybe oh, yeah. some of the ways that she's gotten connected with some of the gigs that she's taken on. Yeah. Like, you know, when we were talking earlier, like Singapore or London, how does that, you know, yeah. how does that work out? Yeah, Flagstaff <laughs> to Singapore, that's a bit of a stretch that's a bit to of be a, a photographer. Yeah. And yeah. I've never, never sat with HRG and not had a fun time. So I think we'll have, I think we'll have a little bit of a party. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. So let's go beyond flag with Hannah Rose Gray. Welcome to Beyond Flag, a Beyond the Pines production created by, with, and for the people of Flagstaff building connection in the town we love. We are your hosts, Dr. Daniel J. Phillips and Cody Bayless, also known as Dr. Chinchilla Nice Nice. Thanks for tuning in as we go beyond flag, straight from the dunny of our observatory. You'll call me to everybody. Over there, we got Danny Utah. We got Cody Be Nice right here, and sitting before us is Hannah Rose Gray. Hannah, welcome to the show. Thanks. Yeah, welcome. Me. Yeah, thank you so much for coming on. I'm really looking forward to, to sit with you and interviewing you today. I think we're going to have a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. <laughs> yes. That's all I know. <laughs> I 100% believe this. So um, where I wanted to start was just getting a sense of what you're doing now as far as a photographer and yeah, what you do in town. Cool. So I am a wedding photographer. I've been shooting for eight years. Well, weddings for eight years. But I've picked up a camera since I was, I don't know, 12 or so. Um, so I mostly shoot weddings, destination weddings, elopements, branding, food, um, like lifestyle food and then family photography. So, but I travel about 50%. So I'm not really home all that often. Yeah. (laughs) So I'm all over the country and world a bit. So Uh where, where is it taking you? Oh man. Um, Singapore, Thailand, Mexico, Dominican Republic, London, I have a France wedding and then everywhere in the country from, Indiana, Ohio, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Colorado, California, Washington, all over. Psychology takes me to 408 North Kendrick Street, usually. <laughs> yeah. yeah. How do you feel about traveling that much? Oh, it's it's my way of being. I used to feel bad about it because I'm not a homebody, and a lot of my friends and family are. And so I thought something was wrong with me because I always wanted to be out and gone. Um I do love home and I do love Flagstaff because it's restful and peaceful to come home to, but I love new people and new food and new experiences. It's kind of what drives me and what fuels me. Yeah. It was interesting. I noticed you used the word home. You say, I'm not home much. And so Flagstaff for you in Mm -hmm. your current day in life is what you consider to be home. Yeah. Despite all the travel? The last five years. Yeah, I pay rent here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no one ever knows where. They're like, where are you at in the world? Where do you call home? My mom even, she's like, where are you? <laughs> <laughs> you see, I, yeah. yeah, well, I kind of see home as anywhere I go. That's been a new, I was just in Bali. And that was a um, an ideal that I kind of picked up that I felt like once you break down barriers a bit of the world being uncomfortable or... Um, pushing your boxes a bit, then home is anywhere you go, not just a place, even though my bed is very comfortable. (laughs) Yeah. So you really travel like 50% of the time? 
I haven't added it up, but yeah, I think so. I'm gone like once a month, like, at least. Yeah. What's the we'll calculation? A rough, a rough 50? <laughs> I yeah. can write it down and send it over. Well, yeah, I guess just for me, that's pretty mind boggling because a lot of travel for me feels like it gets overwhelming mm-hmm. and it gets tiring. Do you, it, it sounds like for you, it gives you energy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I have implemented like a strategy so I don't get exhausted because I have been traveling for the last, I guess, five years. Uh, since college um yeah so I have to make sure I do certain things when I'm traveling so I don't get exhausted um like working out eating breakfast every morning um walking yoga meditation those kinds of practices so again home is anywhere I do those at home I do those traveling yeah so then what does the average day for you look like? Um, is it just absolute variation or mm-hmm. is there some consistency when you're home? I don't like routines or yeah. structure or rhythms, although I have found that I've thrived when I've been in rhythms. Um, when I lived in Italy or different places that's in um, created structure I like hated it at the beginning and then I like fell into it so I know that it's good for me it's probably good for most humans but I would say that a normal day I try like I kind of have a variation also things that I try to get done so I usually work out at nine with some friends um depending if I wake up early and do work or not and then work but maybe a coffee maybe a shoot maybe uh hanging out it's a it's a variation of multiple things not just the same thing every day yeah i saw dan just cringe when you said like you're not into routines can you imagine oh i would i wouldn't last a week like that (laughs) it's so true i would love to see you in that state though um so you you mentioned like coffee shoots exercise those kinds of things yes are pretty as far as variations those are pretty regular yeah i guess i have a you know emails um working out eating and shoots are (laughs) and friends are probably my four that i uh, attend to every day okay um, I was curious. I see you at kickstand a lot. Yes. And uh, I guess I always assume that you're editing shoots that you no. do up there. No? No. Ed- I have an editor, so I don't even edit half oh, of my work. Wow. Okay. Because I don't like editing because it's really tedious. Yeah. So I am doing more admin business stuff. I probably wear like seven hats in a day, wow. whether it be marketing, social media strategy, email, um um, accounting, um, managing humans, those types of, <laughs> those types yeah. of things. As opposed to managing <laughs> cats. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I manage like yeah. human expectations a lot, which is interesting cause I'm a creative, uh-huh. but when you shoot weddings, I feel like most of the day and then also an email, like leading up to a wedding, I'm managing emotions. Yeah. I'm talking probably 80% of a wedding day. And yeah. directing. So it's uh, not what I thought when I got into it. Oh, sure. I guess. Yeah. How does it differ from what you expected? What do you mean? Um, you know, I don't, I really have a plan for my life often. And so I kind of fell into wedding photography and I didn't exactly maybe have an idea other than, cool, I get to shoot people during the day on their happiest, like 
some of their happiest moments. But I also get to shoot documentary, lifestyle, portraiture, product. So I kind of like the challenge of lighting, you know. So I was thinking photography, technical, but you're dealing with human emotion and um, mothers and like family (laughs) tension and family drama. And I'm a source of peace and like a random person. And so I'm like a middleman for a lot of people on a wedding day that I had no idea was going to happen, but I love people and I want to work with people. So it kind of is perfect for my um, personality. So can can you imagine you in that role? Can you imagine how much self doubt or worry there would be throughout the day like that? Just trying you? to make sure everyone's okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, it is fascinating. You talk about that, Hannah, because like we've done a couple weddings together where yeah. you shot the wedding and I officiated, and like you're cool as a cucumber. Yeah. Throughout the whole the whole thing, where I think it would be very easy to become unraveled. Yeah, I um, probably maybe did in the past because I struggle with ADD. And so to focus all day and be nice all day (laughs) um, at the beginning was hard because your creative brain is working. Mm -hmm. And so I've never freaked out. I have a very low temperament, like chill. I'm like my dad, very relaxed. Um, He's a nine, if you guys care. (laughs) Um, On the Enneagram. On the Enneagram. We're going to get more into this later, yeah. (laughs) Um, And so... Yeah, we have worked a couple weddings together. Um, I have this belief that what will be photographed will, uh-huh. and there's no stress. Like, there's just not a yeah. reason for me to be stressed <laughs> at all. Yeah. And, or anxious or nervous, like, oh my God, what if I miss, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I just don't live my life that way. And so um, I see myself being a source of peace for them because it's crazy and wild and you get married once and I've probably shot over 300 weddings. So I've seen this over and over and over again. And so I just get to help people be present, but I have to be present for them to be present, you know, like, or to lead them in that way. So yeah, I don't really, there's no anxiety. Yeah. Oh, it's incredible when that comes across. Like you really, you're very, yeah, just cool and and there, which I think would be tough, no doubt. Mm -hmm. I was curious, do you remember that first wedding and what it was like? Oh, mine? Not the one that we worked together? No, you shot, yeah. (laughs) Oh, my first wedding. Yeah, it was, um, I was second shooting for a friend. Um, It was a very large, like three, 400 person wedding in Indiana. Went to school there and... It was like the, it was someone crazy, like the governor's granddaughter or something. So Ooh. it was very elaborate at this yeah. massive house and I was freaking out. Were so you? I was like, I don't want to mess up. And Katie's like, you can't mess up. Just yeah. don't miss the kiss. Like you can't really, you can't mess up. And so she trained me, my good friend, Katie Haller. Um, she's a bit older than me. And so in photography school. And so she was, has still been like my guide. Um, I remember it being so fun and dancing and eating good food and meeting new people. And I thought I could do this. This is fun. Like, yeah. This is a job. People do this for a job. <laughs> so I was kind of drawn in from that, but definitely didn't want to pursue it. It just kind of kept happening. And so I kept saying yes to what was coming my way. Yeah. And so in that way it built just over time, just through momentum, really. Mm hmm. Yeah. Um, friends of friends, connections. If I've learned anything from my dad, who is a small business coach, he has taught me connections is everything. 
and being kind because people will remember how you make them feel, not just what you produce or give them. And so that's my main concern in, in shoots or in life. If I'm interacting with you or clients is I want you to remember like how I made you feel. And I want you, you know, to feel present and connected to the world around you and more yourself. Wow. What a powerful concept. (laughs) Yeah. When I'm listening to you with all that variety, the thing comes to mind for me is what is one of the most remarkable or like crazy experiences you've had while um, shooting? And it could be a wedding or it could be anything else that you've shot. What's one of the craziest things that you've experienced? Wow. Um, That's hard (laughs) because so much has happened. I photographed like 300 plus weddings. Um, remarkable. I would say one of the most memorable, maybe Mm -hmm. I was in Singapore shooting this wedding where the couple I met, um, in at the Grand Canyon, he flew, um, they flew over from Singapore for their proposal and we flew in a helicopter down to the bottom of the Canyon. And I was like playing pretend like I didn't know who they were, even Mm -hmm. though I was just like, I knew who he was. And, uh, so I photographed their proposal and they were like, you should come to Singapore. I was like, okay. (laughs) And yeah, Drew and Rui are just the cutest, most intentional type of humans I've ever met. Mm -hmm. And, um, so their wedding day was like 18 hours. I think I was shooting for, it was very long a lot of traditions. (laughs) They're Chinese. So there's a lot of, um, (coughs) there's a lot of, like old traditions with elders, with family, with all this stuff. So her grandfather, Rui's grandfather had just gotten heart surgery, like, or a heart attack. I don't think he had heart surgery, but he had had a heart attack, um, probably a week before. So he couldn't attend the wedding. And in their tradition, you must, um, uh, give tea to your elders. So we went through Drew's family, which was like, he was the youngest. So yeah, he was the youngest. So it was like his older siblings, their parents, aunts and uncles. It was like an hour of like (laughs) this tea thing, but her grandfather couldn't come to that part. And so we drove across the city. Okay. Singapore is tiny. Like I'm going to get these stats wrong, but like 17 miles by 12 miles, maybe like very, very small. So we drove across the city and we went to his house and Rui was dressed up in her, in like beautiful wedding gear and she comes in and, and they like grab each other. And it, I mean, I can show you the image later. It's this beautiful moment between humans that was like unfiltered or unposed. It just happened. And I happened to be there and I happened to capture it. And I was crying and they were crying because I don't know, there's just something sweet about human connection. That's raw and I happened to capture it, you know? Yeah. Um, it was a really beautiful moment. Wow. That's a, that's a wild story. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like started so, a canyon. Yeah. yeah. Did he get in touch with you then because you were a photographer near the Grand Canyon? Yeah. So a hashtag on Instagram. Wow. It works. Whoa. <laughs> He's just it like works. searching hashtags and I was like, oh my goodness. I'm going to keep doing this. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out Instagram. Yeah. yeah. So I always say Instagram makes like 80% of my money. Does it I'm really? Like, what? Yeah. I'm like, yeah. So branding and yeah. marketing, it's free mm-hmm. and it is a wild tool. Yeah. yeah. Well, it takes you to Singapore. Yeah. I was going to say, do you ever imagine that happening? No. 
Yeah, that's bananas. Yeah. I was like, I hate social media. It's consuming <laughs> and soul sucking sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> and it was like a big comparison, uh, like thief for a while. Oh, sure. For me, but now I have. I would say I have a healthy relationship with social media. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit about that evolution? What it was like, like when you're talking about being a comparison. Thief yeah, and- I think it has a lot to do with someone knowing themselves well and loving themselves. And so in art, especially going to art school, we are constantly comparing our work and critiquing. And it's different when it's 12 or 15 people in a room together and we're all critiquing each other's and we're looking and I'm like, oh, I feel like I'm not as good as Christian or Michael but I can sit and talk with them and I can work on projects with them and learn from them or them encourage my work. Um, and then our professor explained, Hey, everyone has their own style. Like you just got to do you. But when it's on social media and there's a platform of millions of people who are artists, especially photographers, because Instagram is very photo heavy. I mean, it is, it's all it is or video. Um, if you, if you let your mind or, if you're not connected to yourself and your style and your heart, then it can destroy you. Sure. Like it can destroy creativity. You're just trying to copy everyone. Yeah. You're trying to recreate what everyone else has done instead of being unique unique. So I actually unfollowed a couple years ago, I unfollowed everyone in the, in the wedding industry unless they were my friends because that matters to me. I'm like, I honestly don't care what this photographer shot in Oregon, but I care what my friend in Flagstaff photographed because I love you and I want to like want to know your work and there's only so much that we can take in in a day and so I'm really mindful and intentional about what I take in on social media so Mm -hmm. there's a lot of memes and food (laughs) and dog videos (laughs) and then creative like creative work um but it I've seen it destroy like someone's like self-esteem yeah. And creative ability. Well, I was curious, like, when well, you're speaking Dan's language, right? When you're talking about, like, <laughs> social media being this, <laughs> this thing. Um, but I was wondering, at that point in your career, maybe where you unfollowed all the mm-hmm. other wedding photographers, do you notice a difference in your work at that time? What was that yeah, point I think like I, for you? I think I was starting to try to just copy everyone. Like, when oh. you're looking at something every day, you're like, oh, I can recreate that that's getting a lot of attention or a lot of engagement. I can do that. Hmm. Um, I can do it better, whatever. Instead of being in your own like creative process without trying to copy, which if you studied art history, that is the name of the game. Like if you studied anything like Picasso or Van Gogh or something, there's always apprentices. Oh my gosh, I can't say that. Precedent? <laughs> no. Apprentices? apprentices. Oh, yeah. People yeah. who have studied under and they're just copying. And like Michelangelo did not paint the whole Sistine Chapel by himself. Like right. there was hand guys, feet guys, people who studied his work and then helped him. Never got the credit, but they, they studied it. And so we're just a people like we're we're over generation and generation. We're we're just copying each other until one person like Monet does something a little different and paints something differently. Then people kind of start veering that way. So Mm -hmm. it's not surprising to me, but what to your question, like in my work, I didn't like that. I looked like everyone else. Okay. And I was like, I'm missing my magic. Like I'm missing the spark. Mm -hmm. So 
Well, it sounds like at that point, then you also got reconnected with your own creative mm-hmm. source, I guess. And then mm-hmm. how did your work evolve from there as you went forward? Oh, man, I don't know if it was like a moment. It's been like years. Sure. But every once in a while, I'll go to my friend Kyle Miller's and he's a, he's a musician and we'll talk about the creative process because it can get, I'll just like weep sometimes. I'm like, I'm so frustrated with this. And he'll lead me into, okay, well, what are other types of mediums that you can engage with, to, not photography, that can spark different things? Because over the course of my life, I, it's, I have a hard time saying I'm an artist because I've always been an athlete. But I guess in my artistry, since I was young, it's not always been photography. It's like I'll bookbind or build tables or watercolor or watch films or... Um, go on walks or I don't know, just engaging, um, differently. And so I watched myself, um, pick up different hobbies and like knitting I've done forever, but kind of go back to those. I think it's really important as artists to go back to the things that first sparked us when we were young. Um, because it's like a truest form of what we're interested in and, and, um, kind of changed us at, at the beginning. So, yeah, I don't know if I answered that. <laughs> yeah, well, it's really interesting what you said was like, as a kid, you picked up a camera. Mm-hmm. I was wondering, can we go all the way back there? Yeah. So, I think your website says you're a, a small town Ohio girl, something to that effect, <laughs> yeah. who chased the sun in Arizona. Yes. Can you tell us about like where you're born, where you grew up? Yeah. So, I was born in Finley, Ohio, which is like Northwest, kind of by Toledo, if you know where that is. Um, we had a house growing up on the lake, on Lake Erie. So I'm a water baby. I was telling Dan before, um, not a mountains person, but I grew up, you know, the, the great lakes are like oceans. They just don't have salt and sharks. Um, and so I, I probably have more memories growing up at the lake than anywhere else, like in the world. Cause we were up there all the time yeah. and my great grandfather, built a house there and he had, um, in the basement. So like, think of like a old, like 1800s built cottage with like creaky floors. We had all of his national geographics that he had collected since he like 1920s or something. So like floor to ceiling bookshelves of yellow. Oh, it's so cool. (laughs) It was amazing. Yeah. So one day I was 12 probably. And I was going through all of these, um, Nat Geo's one day And I've always been drawn to story and I'm a romantic at heart and I've always been creative and I feel like I'm a feeler. I'm a very deep feeler. I feel things. And so I was going through them and I picked up the image of the Afghan girl by Steve McCurry. Mm -hmm. So it's one of the most iconic images Mm -hmm. in the world. With those sharp blue Mm -hmm. eyes. Yeah. Yeah. And so there was something in that image that I was enamored by and wanted to flip to her story and read all about what was happening. And like, I'm pretty sure it was the eighties. Um, I don't remember when that came out, but, and I was, I I said, I, I wanted to photograph what it's like to be human like this. And I want someone on another part of the world in another decade to understand what it's like, even just an ounce to know what it's like to be this person. And I think photography and story does that. So from that moment on, I was like, I'm going to be a photojournalist. I'm going to, I want to be a war like photographer. Cause Steve McCurry is my very favorite photographer. He's 
amazing. Yeah. And uh, how old were you at that point? Twelve. And and so at twelve, wow. you're like, yeah. that's my destiny. Yeah, but yeah, <laughs> but it was always like kind of honestly took back seat because I was like, I can't do that. Uh, can I do that for a living? No, yeah. I'm gonna be a cardiologist. I'm gonna like I had all these other dreams. <laughs> I'm a dreamer, so I have like a million. Um, but that one has always stuck with me. And it used to be my plan B, and then it kind of became my plan A. Um, I didn't ever think I would be doing wedding photography. Like, I honestly thought I'd be shooting for National Geographics or a newspaper or a magazine or something like that. So mm-hmm. I didn't have, like, Backstreet Boys posters on my wall. I, I had <laughs> National Geographic maps on my wall mm-hmm. at, like, a, like, middle school. And so my parents always knew I was going to travel and, and not live in Ohio, so they They've been prepared from a very early age. Um, I think it was maybe that year that I got, I was like, mom, I want to pursue photography. So she put me into an art, like a photography class at Toledo Art Museum over the summer. And we were shooting with Polaroids and film and developing it. And I was obsessed, like thoroughly obsessed. So it just, I kind of just became attached and started shooting everything and anything and fifth grade, I don't know how old you are in fifth grade, but is that like 13? It's, tw- it's like 11 or 12. Okay, yeah. then that would make sense. Um, I remember I begged my mom to get me like a legit digital camera for our trip out to the Grand Canyon. Yeah. And she did. And I found those images like recently. And I was just enamored. I was just enamored by nature. And I wow. shot so much. So it just, you know, fluctuated into families and people and I don't really shoot landscapes that much. Mm-hmm. I have a time or two, but it doesn't like, doesn't get me going. So I like photographing people yeah. and what it means to be human, whether it be really sad or really happy or just daily life. Yeah. Well, it comes across in your work. Thank you. Yeah, for sure. The image of you as a 12 year old and the, like when you're talking about all the yellow mm-hmm. binding on the Nat Geos and then coming across this iconic image and just being like captured, yeah. like that's such a neat thing. Yeah. What kind of camera are you using at age 10? <laughs> oh, I don't even remember. It was maybe like a Nikon. I had a bunch of film cameras and then I started switching to digital, which okay. was pretty normal around that time, sure. like late 2000s or early 2000s. Um, I don't remember, but I have a box of all my old cameras and I like set them up one day, like oh, in progression cool. of when I bought them or like when they were given to me. And there's a lot of them. Yeah. I don't know how many, maybe 10 or 12. Yeah. But yeah, you're also kind of saying that these other ideas would come to mind because you didn't see being that traveling journalist, photojournalist as a possibility. So you would, you thought Mm -hmm. about things like a cardiologist. So in (laughs) adolescence, what was that like? Did you, did you know, did you feel like that photography was always in the background or would you become Mm -hmm. focused on something like a cardiologist or something else? Um, well, I was really obsessed with Grey's Anatomy, so I think that's mm. where a cardiologist <laughs> came from. Which is back to the emotion and the relationships. <laughs> yes. so, yeah. Um, I always knew I was different, I guess, than other people. So I was like, I'm probably not going to have a normal job, but I'll try to fit in. That was always what I've been thinking t- still to this day, probably. And I grew up, you know, in like a Midwest, small Christian, old Catholic, like town a pretty white collar. Um, and so all of my friends, you know, are doctors, lawyers, engineers, um, 
businessmen of some sort, dentist, and and I was just trying to play along. I think for a long, like for a while, sure. but my dream since I was like third grade was I wanted to build a boat because I love working with my hands, like in that way. And I wanted to build a boat and then travel the world on the boat and host host a National Geographic show about culture and religion and people. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. I still want to do this. I was going to say, where did that, yeah, is that still, yeah. It's still there, but I think it'll ebb and flow into something different, but oh, I've always cool. wanted to tell stories and, yeah. um, yeah, world religions has always been a really like interesting thing to me. I thought about being an anthropologist anthropologist i was like what would i do with that (laughs) is this all in adolescence or are you talking about in after high school as well yeah oh Mm -hmm. yeah like i was a i studied fine art film photography but i had like that was my major but then i had a bunch of different minors because i was so intrigued with all these different things so i was like journalism for a while and then international community development i'm still interested in that like developing of like third world nations and stuff Mm -hmm. um and underdeveloped parts of the world but now I'm learning that these passions are like forming or like colliding finally yeah um yeah I've had a lot of dreams and a lot of like I want to do this I want to do this yeah we mentioned you're a dreamer a connector and a feeler Mm -hmm. yeah I was curious so adolescence high school you're in Ohio Mm -hmm. what did you do after you finished high school I tried to get the hell away. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So I was looking at a school at Nyack. It was in New York, okay. um, probably like 30 minutes from the city. And then I was looking at a school in South Carolina, Texas, Colorado, and then Indiana. And somehow I ended up in Indiana. Actually, my parents forced me to go to college. <laughs> Did they really? Yeah. I was like, I want to go to Nicaragua and work at this orphanage. Don't tell me what to do. Yeah. And they were like, they always say, they always say education is never a waste. And so... They were like, will you do this? Like, it's your choice, but they kind of forced me into it. So I was like, fine, I'm doing what I want to do. Um, my mom tried to get me to study business. I'm honestly super upset I didn't study business because yeah. that's like half of my job is sure. business. And I love it. Like, I come from a long line, both sides of small business owners. Um, so it just kind of made sense. Like, when I was little, even, I used to... I had a knitting business and then I had like a hemp business and then I used to write newspapers and sell them. Like I had a lot of, I've always been a business woman. Yeah. You're on that business tip early. (laughs) Yes. But, um, I think due to my (laughs) dreamer feeler, you know, world and not wanting to be trapped down, I didn't, uh, I was really pushing away normal, normalcy. Okay. Or what other people wanted me to do. Yeah. And so I was like, no, I'm not going to study business. That makes too much sense. <laughs> like, it's too <laughs> logical. Um, so, yeah. So I went to school at Indiana Wesleyan University, a small private Christian university that um, has brought me in many good friends. But also was very hard and I would probably never go back. Yeah. Um, and in college I lived in Tacoma for a while like during summers and then I studied abroad in Italy so it gave me that opportunity that completely shifted my life um I say it's my self or my unintentional self-intervention like I didn't know I needed it because I was a yes girl and I said yes to everything and I didn't know how to rest or say no like I had a thousand thousand things and then Italy just halted me and reframed my life at 20, 
two or however old you are at senior yeah. year of college. And, um, so you were studying abroad. How did, yeah. how did it, how did that epiphany come about? What happened? That was six, I think it was five or six months that we were there and mm-hmm. we lived in a small town named, um, called Orvieto, which is like an hour and a half Northwest of Rome. You have to take a little vernacular up this like hillside mountain to get to the town and only probably like 2000 people live on top and then Orvieto Scala like below was more so it's a small medieval town that um no one spoke English so there was like 22 of us students and my professor Prof Dahl who was like the director he's from Ohio used to live and then moved to Israel to um be an architect professor and then met his wife Sharona and then they moved to Italy And he was probably the most, thus far, one of the most influential people in my whole life. And I was able to go back last year and tell him. And he was like, you know, I didn't know if anything hits with you guys. (laughs) I'm like, no, no, no. (laughs) So his words throughout the time and just Italian culture is slow. It's about family. It's about food. It's not rushed. And my soul, I feel like, is like Italian. (laughs) And I finally like connected and like was able to like slow down and enjoy, enjoy life. Like that's what Italians do best is, is enjoy. Like they're romantic and they enjoy every bite of food they eat and every conversation they have. And to me, they're present. And so I learned how to be present in a space in my surroundings. Um, and Prof Dahl really taught us how to like get lost in a city and not have expectations, but let the city and the people affect us. And how our art is affecting the world around us. And so how to be connected. So a lot of my practice, I think, in my photography now has to do with his teachings of coming back to the why and coming back to, hey, it's not about impressing people. And it's not about, like, trying to impress me as a, or your students or whatever or your, your peers but it's why are you here and what are you doing? So his life was very intentional. And um, there's just certain words and phrases that he spoke that shifted my whole my whole being, yeah. honestly. Wow. It sounds like that really has translated into your work going forward from that point. Yes. You talk about the why. And you talk about this on your website a little mm-hmm. bit. Can you tell us about that? Yeah. So I am a why person <laughs> in all things <laughs> yeah. I do. So... Um, I think that honestly started young, but in, in, um, Indiana Westland, because we studied like a fine art, we had a fine art background. It wasn't technical. Every single project we had, anything we did, we had to write papers on like, why, what does this mean? It's not just aesthetically pleasing, but what's the point? And so, um, I've always been. I think most people are interested in their why Mm -hmm. and maybe it doesn't come till you're 50 or you're 60 (laughs) or whatever. Um, I think I'm just finding a little piece of my why recently because wedding photography is very lucrative and the industry is as much as it's beautiful, it's a business, you know? And, um, I was getting caught up in that world of like, what the hell am I doing? Like, why am I here? I want to be overseas. I want to be, working for nonprofits and shooting and telling stories. I don't want to keep shooting these luxury weddings. Like what's the point in just making money? Like what's the point of all of this? And, um, so in high school, 
and in college, I've been in and out of different nonprofits working for them and with them and traveling to shoot different um, nonprofits like in Dominican or Mexico, like schools and that kind of stuff. And my heart um, has always been drawn towards women in education. And so I listened to this podcast on the Rob, Rob Bell's podcast. And Troy Anderson is the director of Speak Up for the Poor, which is an organization in Bangladesh that um, basically helps to create a new reality for girls there. So Bangladesh has the highest rate of child marriage in the world under the age of 15. Mm -hmm. So it is truly like a disturbing epidemic that I think goes um, underseen and undervalued. But these women, um, education is, we've seen over time through the developing world that education can in fact, shift a whole nation. And you see this in Africa and there's all these studies done. And so I was just drawn in by this podcast. And of course I started crying because <laughs> I don't cry in movies, but I cry like in real life. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was more interested like in this. And then our friend Allison in town, she actually used to live um, near Troy in bon- or in, in Bangkok in Thailand and she's like oh that's one of my friends I can get you connected with him because I was like I want to go over there and photograph like I want to tell these stories I want to do like marketing for them because nonprofits need like they need good imagery to Mm -hmm. continue what they're doing Mm -hmm. that's just we're image based heavy culture right now um yeah so I recently went over let's see it was in August I went over to Bangladesh to photograph for them and meet the girls and this is amazing and really hard um, to see a reality of women that didn't have what I have. Like their dads didn't aren't helping them pursue their dreams, mm-hmm. and they're married off at age fifteen, and then they get they just have babies, and then they die in a village. Like, and they never get to pursue the thing that's like their their why, mm-hmm. I guess. So I have found this space in between my business and my passion, or like nonprofit work, to. Um, to collaborate. So I give a portion of each wedding to, to this organization to help these girls pursue their dreams. And it gives me more of a reason to shoot, not just shooting these and making money and like stop, like packing it away. Um, but I, I like to live within my means and I, it'd be great to make a lot of money and then give a lot of it away. That is my dream. But at the same time, um, America is just, sometimes really greedy and the wedding industry is like a really greedy place in my opinion. So I'm like, okay, so these girls, these girls that I photograph, these women, they have found their loves and maybe that is modern, like a modern thinking. But I know those after talking to those little girls, like they want to marry for love too. Mm -hmm. Like it's this human thing, um, that we all want to be known and seen and heard in, in romance. Like I think it's, we're not, all logical beings, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So my business supports speak up basically is, is, and it gives me a reason to shoot, not just. Yeah. Well, and it sounds like you're, you, 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 you were talking about that period where you began to really understand based on the influence of your, of that mentor, the professor you mm-hmm. mentioned the, to search for the why in things. And mm-hmm. it almost sounds like you're getting reconnected with your, with yeah. another aspect of that once again, recently. Um, I wonder what happened after that study abroad year, what happened after you finished college? Where did you go from there? 
Yeah, well, I was supposed to move to Hawaii, but <laughs> plans oh, fell through. Um, I it's hard because, as I said, I I don't really plan my life. I have these passions and whims, and honestly, my dad is a dreamer as well. So he's taught me to pursue them because we have the luxury to pursue them and the ability as a woman to go for it, mm-hmm. not to be like, no, nah, it's okay, I'm just gonna stay at home, which is totally fine for a lot of women. That's just. He just has known that I ne- was never going to be that woman. Mm-hmm. And so um, I was just sort of following a different passion, which was the ocean and island life. And I have a lot of facets of my life. There's like mm-hmm. photography and then there's like everything else. And so um, that fell through. And then I moved to Dallas to be a nanny. And I was still shooting weddings like all over the country just because of connections and very part-time Um, I was a nanny in Dallas for five kids, and then I moved to Flagstaff, tried to move to Hawaii again, (laughs) and then moved to Flagstaff because um, I had some college friends that lived here, and I was like, I'll stay for like three months, and it's been five years. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so I tried... I was supposed to move to Nicaragua. I grew up going there, working with an organization called Metanoian Missions that my friends run to work um, at the orphanage. They opened a bakery. They have a bunch of like small, like micro business kind Mm -hmm. of things um, and start this art program. But then some stuff happened and it wasn't the right timing. So I'm here. Like I just stayed here and it's not what I expected or planned because I definitely expected to be overseas somewhere. How long were those other stops before coming to Flagstaff? (laughs) Dallas was like seven months. Okay. Yeah. And then, um, like, Italy was five. And and then, yeah, then I've been here. And you thought that that here would be the same as those? Yeah, for sure. Yep, yep, yep. (laughs) There's something about Flagstaff. (laughs) Yeah, how did it become not that? Um, you know, I fell in love with the nature, but also with the boy. (laughs) Uh, So, you know, love does a funny thing and a beautiful thing at the same time because it, um, required me to stay put in one spot, which is probably a better thing for my personality to learn, especially if we've talked about the Enneagram. I don't know if on other podcasts, but as a seven, I want to go, go, go all the time. New experiences, new people, new places. And falling in love with someone and staying put, even though I was like traveling all the time, um, it helped me grow that sense of this isn't scary. This is good for you. (laughs) We're like, maybe a lot of people, that's the opposite. Maybe for Cody is like, (laughs) (laughs) And worrying about <laughs> making sure that people like it. <laughs> We're good, right? Yeah. Yeah. Number six. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out. Shout out. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So Flagstaff just kind of like it pulls people in. Mm-hmm. And maybe from not, I have a lot of friends who grew up here who have stayed here, but they don't want to leave because it's so beautiful and it's such a good place. Where Ohio, I wouldn't like necessarily say that about everyone. They're not like, I love Ohio, I'm here. It's like how <laughs> family's here or something. Yeah. And there's something about Flagstaff that draws you in. Um, maybe it's the accessibility to nature or the people that are really kind or the slower pace of life that I find. That's why I'm drawn to here. Yeah. All, of all, all three of those? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is very like touches on something I learned in Italy. Yeah. How so? What do you mean? 
Um, Flagstaff, I would say, because it's a smaller town, people are in a rush or in a hurry. Mm-hmm. People drive 25 miles an hour down like <laughs> down Humphreys. You're like, okay, cool. I'm actually there is no place to be that I really, you know. And I think nature does this thing to us when monsoons come or when there's a snowstorm that you have to stop and pause. And there's something about beauty that I've found in Italy that I found here that people have found that they're drawn in and they're reminded that we're not the only ones here. Mm-hmm. You know, that nature and beauty and um, creation actually has a say in our lives mm-hmm. more than we're trying to change it. It is trying to affect us, I mm-hmm. think. Mm-hmm. And that's what I love about monsoon season is like everything just kind of slows down. Like it's people just stop. Mm-hmm. People respect it. People respect nature here. Yeah. I I continue to find myself enamored with the the variable of accessibility. Mm -hmm. And you're just talking about like how accessible nature is. Yeah. And I guess like to me, it just seems like those two things go hand in hand with health. When when you're outside and when you're connected to nature, like you just feel better. Yes. What are the ways that you get outside? Ooh, great question. I try to, so this is, I picked up this practice in Italy every morning before anyone would wake up. I would go on a walk at like five, five thirty every single morning. Cause it was like the only time I got alone time all day. And as you know, I'm an extrovert, but I'm very much an introvert and I need to be refilled. But I found that it has to be through nature. Like I can't just sit in my room and be refilled. I'm like, okay, can I like go hang out with someone? Yeah. And so here in Flagstaff, I try to go on a walk most days, whether that be in the morning or the afternoon or for sunset. I I really try to go find the sunset in the summers. Um, Let's see. I try to ski. I'm not well. I like, I sprained my knee a couple, if you can do that. I hurt my knee a couple months ago and I was like, this is why Hannah doesn't ski. (laughs) I love adventure and I love extreme sports. But more like water extreme sports. Not, I mean, snow is water, but like yeah. not as much snow. Um, so I wish I could be in that culture more, but I'm not. Um, I ride bikes. We, my friends and I, go out on boats, like on Lake Mary in the summers. I try to find myself. You know, I run. I try to run a bit, not a lot, <laughs> just a little bit. And yoga in the park, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Swimming, but not really in Lake Mary. It's kind of yeah. <laughs> questionable. Dan refers to it as Lake Murky. Yeah. Lake, Lake, <laughs> what was it? Can we bring that up? Because I, I think people that were raised here, they just see that as what lakes are supposed no. to be like. No, yeah. No, no. Yeah. And, and they're not. <laughs> this is surprising. You know, in your intro, I, I, I alluded to this thing of like, give me the Pacific or give me Lake Mary. <laughs> like, it's the next best thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Am I wrong? <laughs> what a great lake, Lake Mary. Yeah. It's, uh, I've swam with goggles in there and I just close my eyes the whole time because yeah. I'm like, I actually don't want to see what's under here. Yeah. What, but is, it, what is under there? I mud. Don't, mud. It's just murky. Uh, okay. Yeah. So it is Sometimes like it's clear. It's like Sometimes. swimming in silt. Yeah. So uh, you, you had referenced being an athlete. You, mm-hmm. you referenced that as part of um, your being and your yeah. identity. So what, what did you do as an athlete early on? And was that through some of the water sports or was yeah. it through traditional sports? Or? Totally. So I have prob- I could swim before I could walk. Mm. So my, my mom was like a diver in high- college and um, my dad's a golfer. So I actually played both of those sports in, in college and I still play both of those sports. 
or play, you can't really play swim. Um, but yeah, I tried all this, all the things and I always came back to swimming. I was like, Mm -hmm. I need to be in the water. Mm -hmm. It's just where I know myself best. Mm -hmm. And, um, so yeah, I swam on a swim team since I was like five or six through high school. Mm -hmm. And then I got a little burnt out. So I was like, I'm not going to do this in college. And I wasn't that good. I just love being in the water. Um, and then I golfed. I played soccer a bit. I played softball. I played basketball. I don't know. I tried all of them. And gymnastics was a big part of my life for a long time. And then I pra- I started practicing yoga when I was in middle school. So I still practice yoga. Um, but now how I how those interact with my life is, um, I'm training for a triathlon. So I've kind of done those throughout like growing up sprints Mm -hmm. or Olympics. Um, me and my dad used to do this cycling tour called Goba, great Ohio bike adventure. How cool! And it was like almost 400 miles. It was one week out in Ohio Mm -hmm. or in Mm -hmm. the summer in Ohio, a different part. And Mm -hmm. you would put your like camp gear on this truck. They would drive it to the next city and you would like ride 80 miles or something. Mm -hmm. Get like, unpack, put your tent up, go have fun. Mm -hmm. It was like thousands of people. So I did that like nine years of my life. My dad still does it. It's so fun. Thousands of people. Oh yeah. Like three, 4,000. That's insane. Yeah. So that was a massive thing in my life was like cycling with my dad, playing golf. So you're talking about like a, being on a a cycling, like a road bike. Yes. A road bike. Yeah. Yeah. I've mountain biked a few times here. It's fun. It's very fun. It's very different than road biking. <laughs> How's it different? Well, oh, I wish we had video of this. Right oh now. gosh, <laughs> I wish we had video of Cody. <laughs> I like definitely fall. It's so exhilarating, though. Like, yeah. it's quite like I'm quite addicted to it, but I'm yeah. not very good at it. And you know, the riding here is like really intense, like in Sedona. <laughs> So where have you ridden at? Where are some of the trails? I don't remember the names, but like the place, the trail behind Mariposa, like going into West Sedona. I don't know what that. I don't know. I don't know what that trail is called. Okay. Well, I've only ridden in Sedona. I should probably try here. Uh, Okay. Yeah, you might. You there's some here. You could you could do Campbell Mesa. Campbell. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Less intense. Oh, I love that. Hannah, I'm, just, I'm really struck by how connected you are to yourself. Like when you're talking about all these different values and the things that are important to you, but not just like you're talking about them, you're talking about how you also are actively engaged in them. Mm-hmm. You mentioned Enneagram earlier, and I want to go that route for a little bit. Cool. So I'm kind of struck by the fact that uh, I think we have the head triad in here. So we've got Dan <laughs> in his just pompous, intellectual, <laughs> arrogant stance. is just a five with a five wing kind of thing sitting over there. <laughs> just doubling down on that five. Yeah, just <laughs> Not even a thing. Just forcing sit. anything out that's a word. <laughs> Otherwise, just wanting to sit still and watch. Just watching, <laughs> oriented towards ideas and knowledge uh i i occupy that six space pretty heavily i think i tend to go toward the seven and you are like mm-hmm. seven when yeah. you're talking about like ah, i just love experiences and getting yeah, out there and adventures yeah, yeah like yeah. uh dreamer seems, yeah um i guess i was curious to know a little bit about you mentioned earlier studying the enneagram mm-hmm. um what have you come to know about yourself or about life through that lens that's a big question. Yeah. So, um, you know, the Enneagram has been a tr- recently trendy thing, especially in the Christian world sure. right now. So it's interesting because I don't like to talk about it all the time, but I 
this space, I will talk about it. Okay. Yeah. Um, one of my friends in college, like sophomore year of college, introduced me to Enneagram. So I don't know how long ago that was because I'm 28. So a while ago. Um, he introduced it to me because him and his girlfriend, I think, were arguing. And his therapist had introduced it to him. And they used it as a way to deal with... Um, conflict and so I was like okay this is interesting so then I started reading there's no podcast out there (laughs) at that time I feel like Enneagram podcasts are the last like three years maybe yeah but there's a crap ton of books and um so I'd go to the library and rent like seven books at one time about the Enneagram and I you know I don't do this but a lot of people identify people too early so he was like you're a six and I was like I actually don't feel that at all, but okay, <laughs> cool. Anything but that. And I was like, I think I'm a seven. Like I, after reading it, like a couple books, I was like, I think I'm a seven. And he's like, no, you're six. And I'm like, <laughs> this is so annoying. Okay. Is it the whole thing with Enneagram is like you decide what you are? Yes. Kind of thing? Like you can't, I can't yes, tell other people. Exactly. Yeah, it's, it's all yeah. the internal Steven experience. has yeah. now apologized for this. Okay. Steven now doesn't like the Enneagram. It's Anyway, Um, and so I think it takes years sometimes to figure out who you are because we're growing up and maybe you guys are a bit older than me. And so maybe you could identify a little quicker, but in my early twenties, I was like, who am I? What do I believe? I don't even know how to like interact with this tool. I think I use it as a tool to understand people and myself and the world around me. And so, um, I think the way that I've used it or the most influential way has been compassion for other people. So my parents and understanding them maybe in relationships with certain men or my friends and how they respond to things. And then in turn, how am I responding to the world and what am I scared of? You know, cause the Enneagram goes on your basic fears and your basic desires. And so looking at them and then looking at the unhealthy parts of my life and then looking why I go there, when I go there, and then how to just slowly, not ever should on myself, you know, like you should be doing this, or hating myself for not wanting to stay in one place or settle down or whatever. Um, Having grace and love for that part of my life, but kind of moving into a healthier version of me. And so that's how the Enneagram has influenced my life, I think, has been with people. And yeah. Well, it seems like such a useful so application of it. Yeah. So you can kind of look at like, what's my natural growth area. Yes. Uh, but then also I think Dan Siegel talks about becoming amused with your personality mm-hmm. type in a sense, or like just kind of having space for it to where it's like, okay, this is my tendency and this is what yes. I do. Not you're really getting stuck on the should, like you're saying. So as a seven, yes. the enthusiast, right? Yes. Where, where's your growth? Like, where do you go to mm. in health? Yeah. So for, you know, those who are listening, who haven't listened or studied the Enneagram, I'll just give like a little bit about seven. Sevens are the enthusiasts and they, um, we love adventure and new things and new people and new spaces. I don't think I ever not have a plane ticket somewhere. Like I don't think that's possible. (laughs) Um, it is. (laughs) Okay. Five. (laughs) Number five. (laughs) I want to, I'm curious though, where do you, yeah, where do you go and help? Yeah, I go to five and help. So, uh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, yeah, sevens 
are honestly just trying to avoid pain. And I think the way I grew up with a little bit of a chaotic home, I had to face pain early on or I knew I wasn't going to survive like emotionally in this world. And thanks to my mother, like putting me in therapy at a young age, um, I would say sevens are scattered and they have a lot of hobbies and a lot of new people intrigue them. And life is always half full. Like the cup is always full. It's every single morning. I'm like, cool. What are we going to do? Like, where are we going to go? How are we going to have fun? Um, with the idea of like, how can I avoid my pain with fun? You know? Um, so wait, what was your question? (laughs) (laughs) Where where do you grow? Or where do you go toward? Yeah. In health. So I've watched myself. I turned 28. Well, okay. In like a month. So I round up. I'm almost 28 (laughs) in the last year of my life. Really focus on this. Um, because I think I was frustrated with myself a little bit. And so I've used the Enneagram towards, um, trying to stay in one place and be in my body and be present and not, you know, the word FOMO is really big for seven. So like fear of missing out. So being like, Hey, tonight, I think I'm just going to stay in and not go out and be with myself. And that was like really hard. Sounds to amazing. Do. <laughs> Dan's like, yeah, just. It's really hard for me. <laughs> for sure, it's really hard to do. Well, it's the antithesis, right? Because you're oriented toward experience. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. so, like, to stay at home, and there's the idea that you might be missing yes. out on something, could be like that's yeah. very relevant and large. Yeah. So I see a therapist in town. She's amazing, and she's really influenced me. And. I know you both of you are, so I know you like this conversation. Um, And you enjoy this. Sick jollies over here. (laughs) So my counselor therapist person, um, she has helped me create these mantras and these ways of being that, like, you are exactly where you're supposed to be. And what could have happened would have happened, but it didn't, you know? And so these are, I think this has helped me go towards health, um, in the Enneagram world or in my personality is, yeah, there's a thousand things I'm missing out on, but I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. So even in traveling, I was just in Bali with some friends and they were like, we could do this or this or this. And I'm like, honestly, this is exactly where we're supposed to be. So there's not this anxiety in me anymore to like, go, 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 go. It's more of like, where am I at? Why am I here? And how can I be more present in where I'm at with these people, not thinking about the next thing or the next fun. Yeah. The next fun thing. I think about meals. Those are the things that I, (laughs) um, (laughs) I don't think is unhealthy, honestly, in my sevenness is what is the next best meal I'm going to have? So every meal Uh is in my head is like, how can I make this better or how can I get, go to a new place and have the next best meal of my life. Yeah. I think that's a great thing. Heck yeah. There's no shame in that. No, there's no shame. Yeah. Well, it's funny you bring that up because like when we've hung out, when we've hung out before, uh, our tendency is to crush a bottle of wine together. <laughs> it is. <laughs> it's usually around food. It always like, is. That's yeah. a, the Italian way. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. Coming back to that Italian at heart, yeah. have you converted Cody to being Italian <laughs> by doing that? Could you imagine me as an Italian? Oh my gosh. <laughs> I can yeah. see it. Yeah. 
Um, so that's a super interesting when you're talking about, so experiences, being a connector, being mm-hmm. very oriented towards dreaming. When I look at like your Instagram page and mm-hmm. just kind of when you're talking about everything that you're doing, it all rings very true for like being a seven mm-hmm. and also being very healthy as a seven. Yeah. I honestly don't like other sevens. <laughs> Oh snap! I don't know if I should say that on the. Oh, end. we just alienated all yeah. the other. It's all good. The, the tens, because... the tens of listeners that we have. Yeah. Yeah. If there's sevens amongst them, they're gonna avoid. Dad, is your mom a seven? Yeah, I don't know. Okay. Okay, I, I like I like healthy sevens because okay. unhealthy yeah. sevens. I have a bunch of them, friend like friends who are sevens. Yeah. And they annoy the shit out of me. I don't know if I'm yeah. allowed to cuss, but um. We have to cut that. Dang no, it, guys. No, no. We're going to have fun with that. Yeah. Okay. Um, they annoy me because they're not facing their pain. Yeah. And I, <laughs> sounds funny, but I would pride myself on facing my pain and yeah. sitting in my pain. Thank you, therapy. Um, so, uh, yeah. So, sevens. Um, annoy the shit out of you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So do you ever try when you come across a seven that you think is doing that to orient them to your pain, to their pain? Do you ever say, well, hey, you have this and this and this going <laughs> on. That must be painful. Oh, sometimes I, I, it's hard because then I vibe with them like really hard, like their funness. And oh, we're just like yeah. bouncing off the walls. Yeah. But it's usually around a table or around a meal that I get really deep. I'm not like a, I'm just a really deep human. And so... Which sometimes contradicts sevens, even though I think I think sevens feel not understood. They're like, no, we're deep. We just like to have fun too. Mm-hmm. Is that so wrong? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I definitely try to do that with sevens. I'm like, so can we go back to the fact that your dad died when you were 12 and you don't talk about it? Oh, snap. <laughs> oh, snap. Wow. Look but I do sevens. it in like a funny way. <laughs> yeah. I want to make them but feel like funny. safe. <laughs> yeah. It has to be funny. You'll have to teach me that yeah. so I can use that. Yeah, Dan, How can to use in a more funny tact. way approach the death of their father. Page yeah. You got to be close yeah. enough with them, you know. Yeah, okay. But yeah, I, I definitely make sevens feel uncomfortable. Well, I'm Very out cool. then because uh, I'm not. I'm not getting close with anyone as a five. <laughs> uh, my friend Allison and I in town. We're both sevens, but we we call ourselves dark sevens because we enjoy. Like to sit and talk about it, not too long, just like yeah. enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So, so I want to talk books real quick. For oh, Christmas, okay. you gifted me uh, "Talking to Strangers" yes. by Gladwell. Yes, I'm very thankful for that book. Yes, um, I was curious to know. You mentioned that you read about three books a month. <laughs> what are you What are you into right now? So I'm in two different book clubs. Okay, can we go back? I'm yeah. really good friends with um, Cody's wife, and so we hang out a lot. So that sounds funny. Like, yeah. we drink wine and we give each other Christmas gifts. <laughs> Just to clarify. <laughs> and Ken like, is a good family friend of mine. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, there, yeah, there we, we go. go. She um, watches my kids. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, books. Yes, yeah, so I'm in two different book clubs. I'm reading this book called The Hidden Messages in Water. Okay. I don't know. Someone, I was like, cool. I am down for that. Yeah. Um, it's like Frozen 2. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is awesome. I haven't awesome. seen that, but oh, okay. I've heard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've always reading a novel because I'm really drawn to stories. Yeah. I'm reading The Immortalist right now and The Devil in Jerusalem. 
And I'm reading like 10 books at one time. So I'd say I finish three books a month, but I'm reading like 10. This is also a seventh quality. (laughs) I also hate to finish books. Oh, I can. You hate that? Oh, How can you hate that? I don't want it to end. I never want it to end. My problem is I always think I know the end. I'm like, I already know what they're going to finish with. So I'll just put the book (laughs) on the shelf. (laughs) I'm like, I'm done. I already know this. That's awesome. No, no, no. That's that confidence of the six. It's paradoxical. And then you put the book away in the next month. You're like, ah, maybe I don't. (laughs) Yeah. Someone asked me a question about the end. And I'm like, "Uh." maybe I should go back. Yeah. Um, I'm reading Little Women. So I just saw that movie and it's. Yeah, we're reading that for book club. Um, I'm always reading like, like businessy kind of books too, mm-hmm. or money kind of books. So, uh, essentialism has been one of my very favorites that I always have my shelf that I always go back to. And I'm not gonna lie, I've actually never finished because I don't want it to end. Yeah. I have like a chapter left. <laughs> um, oh, I have so many. The Desire Map I do at the beginning of every um, year. Yeah. I read and it's like a workbook thing. I'm reading. <laughs> I'm reading so many. Yeah. Oh, I bought Pete Holmes's book, like Sex, God, and Comedy, I think. Uh, sounds awesome. And then I'm always reading Rob Bell books whenever okay. they come out. Um, a little progressive Christian stuff, Richard Rohr. Okay. But then also, um, my, our pastor Charlie always gives me random books to read that are. Definitely not Christian. <laughs> <laughs> so you find yourself in books a lot. It sounds like. Every night. Yeah. Can't go to sleep without reading. Wow. Every night. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. See, also oriented toward knowledge. Yeah, oriented towards <laughs> knowledge, except for not coming to the conclusions <laughs> of that knowledge, which is a five. I still i am stuck on. I well, cannot comprehend. Dude, I You're going to be stuck on that the rest of the day. Well, this is why I started book clubs is because I had to finish. There was like a deadline yeah. with girls to talk about these books. So yeah. that has really pushed me. I would say that's a healthy thing that I've gathered in my life or put boundaries <laughs> in my life. Yeah. Face pain and finish books. <laughs> yeah, face Those pain are the two. Oh crush my books. Gosh, <laughs> the two barriers. That's this 2020. year. Yeah. 2020. Face pain and crush finish books. Wow. <laughs> yeah, you can embroider that on a cr- yeah. you can cross stitch that. Maybe or you can put that on your Instagram. Page. I, I will. You know I face will. Face pain yeah, crush yeah, books. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Oh, I love this. So, um, couple more minutes here yeah i wanted to see um i was curious you know like we to go back in the interview a little bit we were talking a lot about flagstaff Mm -hmm. and you mentioned like kind of setting up shop here and hawaii seems like this elusive place to you (laughs) like you keep trying to go there and somehow you keep just getting yeah monday morning i'm going (laughs) oh you're going on monday yes how long are you going to hawaii just a few weeks okay usually i go january and february because it's off season for weddings okay I was curious what's what's my question was gonna be what's next? So Hawaii's next? Yeah. And then are you shooting anything specific there? Um I work with some uh companies there, like businesses and brands, and then I have a couple families and like in, in the Nepali Coast tour I always shoot for them called Captain Andy's. So okay. um restaurants and brands and families and then yeah. some couples. Okay. Um, it just it just kind of comes to me. That's how I know I'm where I'm supposed to be. Is it just keeps coming? Yeah. And I actually actively avoid like work sometimes, and it just finds me. Yeah. When wow. I'm not trying to. Yeah. That stands a sweet spot right there. To just <laughs> to just trust the work is going to come his way. That's and, exactly yeah. what I say. <laughs> I always trust it. Yeah. Wait, was that a joke? <laughs> yeah, about the old five next week. Oh. Yeah. But that's a good spot. 
So he, C- Cody, Cody can never run out of five jokes. Oh gosh, <laughs> it's an endless pit. I'm really bad at sarcasm, yeah. so. <laughs> or maybe it was a bad joke. I think one or the other. The latter is probably true in this scenario. Yeah, I'm sure yeah. my life is like really. You don't understand my life, do you? Oh is no, like I hard? understand it. I, I to be really frank with you, I actually admire it. Like, um. Like, I would joke about how I'd never be able to sustain that, mm-hmm. but it's admirable. But, mm-hmm. yeah, realistically, I couldn't <laughs> I couldn't live two weeks in your life. <laughs> oh, it's so fun. You yeah. should try. Yeah, yeah, See? yeah. I, I, and also, okay. vice versa, I don't think you could manage no. two weeks of mine where the routine, the routine is key, the respect Ooh. for time and space. Oh. Yeah. Dan's yeah, parties end at 730. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. End. Yeah. Yeah. Mine's like 3, 4 a.m. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, what time does your party start? <laughs> Sometimes early. Yeah. Oh, it's man. Party long. I just assume parties start after 7.30. <laughs> yeah. You know, like 9, yes. 10. Yes, okay, yeah. And then they go to like 4 a.m. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, what, what a horrible idea. Okay. So, <laughs> so, so Hawaii, you out, so yeah. So next. the plan right now is to move to Hawaii next year just to, okay. to move by nature or to move by the ocean because nature, I think, is worth moving around. Yeah. And I love our mountain. I just am not a, I'm an ocean baby. I need yeah. to be in the ocean every day. It's where my brain stops okay. and where it's like very meditative. So I kind of realized this last year when I don't swim, like for years and years and years of my life, my face has been in the water and I've been able to be silent in my brain to think and process and, and, and be clear. So the years that I wasn't, I was really anxious because a couple hours a day, it's this like meditative, quiet space. Yeah. So it's my favorite place to be under the water. I'm going to like, okay. I just got my scuba cert, but I'm looking to pursue free diving and, wow, and, cool. and, and, underwater photography so oh, yeah. oh, that's awesome. cool yeah with couples yeah. and maternity pictures and stuff oh that's nice. cool yeah. Yeah. yeah so there's uh there's some stuff on the horizon yes Very cool. always how would people how would people get in touch with you so um yeah like uh what information is out there you've ref you've referenced instagram yeah times, instagram so. i think is the biggest portfolio builder you mm-hmm. know and marketing agent and so i would probably say Instagram like DM or it's connected to my phone number I think it's on there or um, email and, and my website so website and what's your website hannahrosegray.com yeah gray Hannah with Rose an gray. a not an e okay. <laughs> for all our folks yeah yes. and can we have Cody spell that that's g-r-a-a-a-e-e <laughs> Yeah, you always spell the whole thing. Hannah, H-A-N-U-H-R-O-A-S-G-R-A-A-P. Cody spells 100% of what he writes phonetically. People people love it. It's awesome. People love it. I get it. I love watching people try to read what I create. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's just so much fun. Yeah. But back to Flagstaff, because I think that was your original question. I love traveling but there's something about Flagstaff that yeah I think I want to come back and buy a house here you know because of the people I think for me it has to do with people and it has to do with accessibility to Sedona Grand Canyon Zion Yosemite Mexico California Colorado all the places for experiences yeah well and you just kind of led us there but I was curious like in a couple few sentences if you could summarize what is Flagstaff to you what does it mean oh man Flagstaff has been healing 
it's been a space where I don't have to try to be someone. I'm just accepted for who I am and how I show up in the world. Um, it's been restful. It's been, people just aren't trying hard here, in my opinion. Maybe yeah. in the athletic you know, degree of <laughs> we have ultra athletes and yeah. Olympic athletes. Yeah. But again, they're just pursuing their dream. Yeah. And so Flagstaff has been freedom for me and ex- exploring who I am as an adult. Yeah. I think it is something different to everyone based on how you interact with um, nature here and how much you get outside and then how much you interact with the community here. Because mm-hmm. I love small towns. Like I love running into people yeah. at Sprouts. I love... Going to the bar and knowing my bartenders, I love yeah. um, like having a therapist and seeing her out. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's good to be known. And I think Flagstaff for me has been a place to be known. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Uh, for me, this has been a super bitching time to sit with you <laughs> and to talk and get to know you more. Um, again, yeah. I'm struck by how well connected you are to yourself and to, to other people. Thank you, yeah, Dr. To the, Cody. To the natural Davis. world. Yeah, that's yeah. Dr. Nice. <laughs> Dr. Nice. <laughs> Dr. Nice. I'm Dr. Be Mean. Um, yeah, thanks so much. I, you're, it's so uh, inspiring to listen to your journey and that you take on things. You, you almost sound like a person that just says yes to whatever experience mm-hmm. comes, which is really powerful. But for me, similar to what Cody just mentioned, I think it becomes even more empowering listening to you, learning to understand yourself, to know actually what is good to say yes to and maybe what's not. So thanks for sharing about that. Thank you for your questions. Yeah, we'll look forward to seeing what you put up on the gram. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) HRG just left the dunny. Here we are wrapping things up. The one thing... Biggest lesson I learned from Hannah Rose Gray, I would not be able to live her lifestyle. Wow, man. She is all over the place. She is. Yeah. In really cool ways. Really cool ways. Old Dan would not survive. I think you'd have a hard time with a lack of structure, maybe. Routine. Routine. Oh, being flexible with time and space so consistently. Yeah. It's impressive that she's able to do that. Like when she's talking about traveling 50% of the year. Yeah. What would that be like for you? Oof. It'd be so. Here's the thing that I one thing I picked up from her is she does have a routine essentially. It's uh, like the the thing she named was eating breakfast, doing mm-hmm. yoga, meditating, going for a walk Walks. in the morning. Yeah. yeah, I actually think if I could incorporate all that, I do think you can travel and have routine because you have a routine with the way that you travel. Yeah, so I think if I were to develop that, I could. However, it would certainly be a process, and <laughs> it'd probably be a slow going, learning and curve. painful process. <laughs> but anyways, yeah, oh. what a creative person. who's figured out a lot about themselves and learned to apply that to what they do. Yeah, and she talked about turning 28 in a month or something, but she talks with incredible wisdom about her own life and just Mm -hmm. all of these, again, like I think we talked about in the interview, just values and principles and things that she's connected to that I Mm -hmm. really, I get the sense to really bring her a, uh, or sources of health Mm -hmm. in her life. Mm -hmm. Mm Yeah. So if I were to sum up, what I would take away from mm-hmm. listening to that, um, from sitting with her and being present with her, is um, 
that it's so valuable and important to figure out what works for you and to go that direction. And yeah. so it could be that not traveling works for a person. Mm-hmm. And if they figure that out about themselves, that's what works. Um, and, and I think she just exemplifies figuring out who you are, mm-hmm. what works for you, and then rolling with that. Yeah. And like operating out of a sense of authenticity to that or mm-hmm. maybe sincerity or just mm-hmm. openness to it. Mm-hmm. She, she seemed very comfortable in her own skin mm-hmm. sitting there with her. Um, you know, to bring it back to our values with beyond the pines, we've taught connection to self, to others and to the natural world. And to me through that interview, those three things were all popping out. Mm-hmm. Like to me, when she's talking about her own personal values, um, what she does, like you're mentioning the routine, those are all connection to self hearing her story about becoming connected to photography at such a young age. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really, really fascinating. I was pretty enamored by that. And then connection to others. She talks about being in book clubs. She talked about, um, she mentioned having pastor Charlie. So she goes to church. Like there's just a lot of different things that it seemed to me to be pretty obvious that she's intentional about also being with other people. She feels, seems very oriented in that direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Definitely a lot to learn from HRG. All right. Why don't you take us out by shouting us out? No doubt. So I'd like to point everyone in the direction of our website, www.beyondflag.com. That's B-E-Y-O-N-D-F-L-G. And also you can find us on Instagram and the Twitter feed. So please check us out. Also, Uh, Big thanks to Kyle Miller at Lore Audio Provisions for helping us out.